0: that was a, a hell of a whirlwind of coming back to that concept of trust and trying to make sense of things when you are right at the face and exhausted and sleep deprived and carrying the emotions of everyone around you who loves you and cares about you. So that was a, a real process of trust just trusting that this was what was meant to happen for us and for Sage, but also leaning in on practicing exactly what we preach.
1: Welcome to the Self-Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. What an absolute delight you are in for. What a treat to be able to listen to the incredible young man, Tim Leeming, also known as TJ, is a new father, husband, brother, son, good mate, nutritionist, and chiropractor. He lives by the mantra that although we cannot all live in nature, we can live more naturally. He loves working with people, helping them to align their habits and lifestyles with the laws of nature to detoxify and simplify life, health, and well-being. Most importantly, Tim strives to lead by example with his teachings through his own way of living. You are going to really appreciate the beautiful messages this gorgeous young soul has to share and being New Year's, a whole brand new year of 2022. I think you'll agree with me that his messages are not only profound, deep, and insightful, but they're incredibly appropriate for what has been perhaps one of the most challenging years for so many. And I sincerely hope you enjoy it as much as I did enjoying interviewing him. Now, If you have any feedback, comments, quotes, thoughts, or suggestions, please give us your feedback and go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast, or you can go to my Instagram page, Kim Morrison 28, or you can go to my Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training. That is where I love to get your feedback, and I'm sure you will appreciate in the notes how you can follow gorgeous TJ. And for those of you that are interested, you will love to know that he, is indeed part of the beautiful Cindy and Howard O'Meara's family and married to the gorgeous Casey O'Meara. I cannot wait to share this with you and I sincerely hope you can take this message from my heart to yours that I would would love to say happy happy new year. Let's not think about what this new year can bring to us but more as a collective what we individually and collectively can bring to this brand new year. Take care, be kind. As you can tell, I am incredibly excited today to interview not only a beautiful, young, incredible human, but also someone I would consider family. And I just feel it's such a privilege to start the new year 2022 off with someone who has beautiful insight A lovely spiritual connection to all things, in my humble opinion. He's a new dad, newly married, and he also happens to be the son in law of Cindy and Howard O'Meara, married to the beautiful Casey O'Meara. TJ, welcome to the Self Love Podcast.
0: Thanks, Kimmy. We finally made it happen.
1: I know. We've been trying to do this for the last year, but there's always a reason, right? And you're someone who really goes with the flow on these sorts of things. And I could not think of someone better to talk into the new year than you. But before we get into your beliefs and your feelings around this past couple of years and all of the things that we both talk about many times on many occasions, perhaps you could just give the listener an idea as to who you are where you're from, why you're so passionate about holistic health and wellness, and and really, what is your mission in this day and age?
0: Oh, there's a lot there. Um, Who am I? So I'm just a Kiwi boy who was actually born in Australia but only spent a few years here while my parents were here on an extended working stay, but grew up in the far south of NZ in a wonderful little place called Invercargill, which was a cool place to grow up. Uh, Like most Kiwi and Aussie kids, I had a heavy involvement in sports and the outdoors and, and, um, you know, very blessed to have parents who would run me around to each and every sporting practice and, and game on the weekends summer and winter and year round and spent um a lot of time in racket sports so tennis and badminton as well but then settled on what i would say was my my love which was rowing so um up and down the arete river and lake ruatanifa and twizel and lake karapiro and cambridge in the north so um, rowing began to take up most of my time um, rugby union as well was a, a big sport for me so through that I developed a passion for how the human body ticks and works and performs at its at its highest capacity or potential and from there um, I I wanted to go to university out out of high school and I thought well I'll you know I'd love to work with athletes so I looked at physiotherapy I looked at exercise physiology I looked at um, physical education um, and eventually settled on an exercise nutrition degree which had elements of all of those things in the first year of it the first year of that was a very generic science year and it was in that year that I found myself at a careers expo and um, I saw the president of the New Zealand Chiropractic College at the time, Dr Phil McMaster, give a talk about what chiropractic is and, and um, drumming up support for this relatively young chiropractic college. And I was hooked. I, I loved the concept um, that Chiropractic meant done by hand. That's literally what the word chiropractic means. Kairos is um, the Greek or Latin root word for hand and practic or practice is to do. So done by hand. Um, and so I got excited about chiropractic. I applied to study at the New Zealand College and I left Otago University at the end of that year and, and went up to Auckland to study Chiropractic, And that actually only lasted one year. I had, um, let's call it divine intervention. I had a number of things kind of um, intersect that year personally and within my studies that, that just really put the brakes on, on my chiropractic studies. And so I decided to leave the college after just one year, after making some, some friends for life who I kept in touch with and um, went back to Dunedin, back to Otago to continue the exercise nutrition degree, which I ended up finishing off. And at the same time that I finished that, my good friends that I um, made those friendships with up in Auckland were finishing their chiropractic studies. And, and my best mate in particular, Callum, he's, I, I was sort of at a loose end. I I had this nutrition degree, which wasn't necessarily a means to an end you know you don't just walk out of that straight into one of the very the many lucrative nutrition roles out there so he said I'm going to Perth for the summer why don't you come with me and I said okay so on a whim I moved to Western Australia um, started getting adjusted again by him because he was a now qualified chiropractor and I saw um, how passionate he was how happy he was and how it, how sought after he was as a New Zealand graduate. And I just went, that was my sign. I was, okay, yeah, I've, I've got to go back to chiropractic. So um, that year turned into a bit of a fun gap year. I saved some money, went and travelled through um, Europe, did my first kind of overseas experience, if you'd call it that. I think I did about 14 weeks through Europe, um, emptied the bank account and and headed on back to New Zealand with my tail between my legs and picked up the chiropractic studies where I left off. Um, So I had three more years to go of that, and um, and that was where I properly connected with Casey, my beautiful wife, because she had just come from the – Murdoch, Western Australia chiropractic course, where she decided, for personal reasons, to to change to the New Zealand College. So we both streamed into a second year class, where um, the the first year the cohort had already made friends the previous year. So we were, you know quote unquote the outsiders, which didn't last long. It was a beautiful group of people who we streamed in with and, again, made some incredible lifelong friends who we obviously both saw out the next three years with to finish our chiropractic degrees. Um, So that's my background. And then we moved to, again, rather whimsically or or randomly. Well, I shouldn't say random because nothing's random, but we we moved to South Australia, um, Adelaide, which is a very cool city. Um, And we worked for a couple of years before... Making our way back to here, the Sunshine Coast, which was always our loose plan, was to end up back here to to set some roots down and start a family and be close to Casey's family. And um, yeah, what a blessing that has been. Given everything that's happened since, mm-hmm. so
1: amazing really and one of the things that i find so fascinating you touched on it anything random whimsical divine intervention there are so many words in there that many of us can sometimes wax lyrical but really there is no such thing as randomness i mean you'd already met Casey back in perth as well hadn't you and
0: yeah we'd we'd crossed paths <laughs> it's funny you, you know you, you mentioned me being able to say these terms or words off the cuff, but but the, the TJ from 10 years ago, if he met me now, would probably try give him a swift uppercut, you know? Like I I've I've done a, a complete 180 in terms of my worldview. And um which is obviously tremendous growth that I've done a lot of work to do. But um yeah, I, I'm a I'm a much different person now than I than I was all those years ago. I never would would have used such vocab.
1: I know, I know, and yet there's such beautiful words and honouring and having an awareness around what does random mean, what does you know whimsical mean. I what I why I'm so curious to understand this. Also, as a young man, you had your thirtieth last year or this year, but also I'm really curious around what point do you think. And is it just a masculine thing? Do men actually grow up then? At what point do they transfer from being, you know, and I'm saying this is a very general term, but a young buck into this incredible provider, protector, and you are quite an extraordinary young man, and I don't say that lightly, but at what point do you think you changed from 10 years ago to the man that you are and what were the, the turning points or the touch points that created
0: those changes? Thanks, Kimmy. Um, that's a big question. And if I was to get really out there and esoteric on it, I mean, certainly in my learnings from, for example, the Vedic philosophies, which I've, I've dived into over the past few years, um, it, it may not happen in a lifetime that transformation, and not to say that I've made it, but I don't know how many incarnations I've had a a run at this. (laughs) And they talk about that being that that path to enlightenment is you essentially, your spirit, your soul keeps coming back here to become embodied or incarnated until it figures it out, right? So, but to, to answer your question more practically, um, I don't think there was, you know, I listened to your podcast with your last podcast with Jordan. And I don't necessarily I haven't necessarily had that, that sharp, acute turning point in my life where I went to the brink or had a an accident or an emergency which made me completely flip my worldview. It was just a slow evolution of um perhaps going with my gut and trusting it even when I wasn't totally cognizant or aware of doing that and over time just surrounding myself with good people, great people and and good environments as well and you you that just molds you and changes you and and broadens your awareness and expands your mind so probably a strength of mine or something that I think that I do quite well is as ask for help or latch on to people wiser and smarter than me um, mentors if you will and just and I get as much out of them as I can. I mean there's always a, an energy exchange and a value exchange but um, yeah've I've been so lucky to have incredible people around me for the last 10 or whatever years, um, you know, you, you mentioned my, my in-laws, my, that side of the family, you know, most of your listeners would appreciate what, a, what an incredible bunch they are, mm. for example.
1: Do you think,
0: then here's a big one for
1: you, do you think it's nature or nurture? Because, you know, we grow up in the same family, those of us that have siblings, we, are, we don't choose our family or do we, but whoever we grow up with and then the friends we choose at school, you know, that all becomes part of us. Do you think then for you then to say you had such a good environment, was that chosen for you or do you think you put yourself more and more by being an open, curious, investigative type of a soul? Do you think that curiosity created more of an environment for you or do you think you were just lucky and you landed in good environments?
0: I think luck does have a lot to do with it. Um, Is it Warren Buffett or one of those um, most wealthy, um, well-known in in financial investors says that um, he talks about one of the biggest keys to his success was the luck of just being a, a white American born in the state that he was born in at the time that he was born, you know. Um, but I think I've thought long and hard about this because my my two brothers, we're, we're all um, very different in terms of the way we see the world. That's starting to intersect at the moment. Um, I've reconnected. With both of my brothers lately, which has been awesome, reconnected on a deeper level, not just not just um, the superficial catch ups that we've probably been accustomed to over the last few years, but um, we're all quite different, and we're all in very different circumstances um, despite mm, sort of being raised in the same way, but from my my reflection on it and what I've read and learned and listened to, I think a lot of it is, has to do with the first three or five or seven years of life that we may not consciously remember, but there's, there's a massive amount of um, neurological imprint that happens on the subconscious preconception as well. So, I think that that has a big role to play in, um, like you asked me about being, you know, open and curious and having an open mind to mentors and things. But I, I don't know if I can say that that's just, a, that was nurtured, that, that, that's just in my nature. It, it could well, be to do with that those those critical first few years of life where you know that might have been different for me than than my brothers.
1: Are you the oldest?
0: Yeah.
1: I've read books saying that the number that you are born what your number is that you're born also can predetermine your nature as well and they often say the oldest You know, if you have children, you'll appreciate this. You treat your first one like crystal, your second one glass, your third one plastic, and your fourth one recycling. But, you know, being the first, we also are paving the way for our parents. We're also new for them, new for us you had a beautiful upbringing in many ways and I believe anyone brought up in New Zealand is very privileged anyway but do you think then the essence of New Zealand Aotearoa the place that we've both really come from and grown up in do you think that there is an energy within a country as much as there is with our parenting as well?
0: Yeah there has to be that's a good question I've, I've never considered that but I what what comes through with that question would be there's an energy about a culture which which you, you could say is country specific I think in relative terms New Zealand and Australia are, culturally are quite similar um, and so yeah our, our style of, of upbringing in, in that sense would be influenced by that culture
1: mm, I agree so let's move forward then. You did finish your degree. You and Casey were now definitely a couple. You've done Adelaide. You've come back now to the Sunshine Coast. Both of you qualified. Both of you extraordinary and been through other little bumps and all the things along the way. And then, you know, we're engaged. We're all excited. We're going to have this big, beautiful, amazing wedding up on the Mullaney Farm of Cindy and Howard's. We've got all these dreams and visions in front of it. As a young person and the absolute highlight of their life, moving into the next phase, how has COVID impacted you guys and how on earth do you now look back as a married man but not married the way we all thought you were going to marry?
0: I've mentioned the C word. (laughs) Um, A big part of my transformation in the last, let's call it, 10 years, give or take, has been this concept of trust when, when you when you have a, a trust in the bigger picture, call it God, the universe, mother nature, you know divine, whatever it is when you just have a trust in, in, a, in a greater intelligence, it makes it so much easier to to, to let go and surrender control. So, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. We had our frustrations that that our wedding was postponed a couple of times. And more importantly, our wedding for us just meant bringing together the people who matter most to us, who we're just going to have the most fun with on that day. I, I love hosting. I love throwing a party. I'm a very social person. Connection is a really high value for me. Um, so that was upsetting, absolutely, but I don't think we dwelled on it too long. We kind of just kept going with the flow and got on with other plans. We, we wanted to start a family, so we got on with that. Um, <clears throat> some of, I mean, we haven't even properly shared shared the news yet with all of my friends and that that we got married recently um which is no no need to apologize um i just yeah we we haven't i mean it's out there on social media and i think casey's made a post about it and things like that but i'm sure some of my friends who i haven't been in touch with in the last little while maybe don't know yet which is cool um but we just we just did what felt right at the time, and decided that the elopement would be a bit of fun. And the funny thing is, a lot of is when when we got engaged a few years ago, some of the one of the most common things that Casey's mates were saying to her was, "Don't you dare elope," because <laughs> that's very much in her nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but given the circumstances, most of them or well, all of them truly understood why we did what we did. Mm.
1: And it was such a beautiful, amazing um, celebration of your love, which I would still say your highest value of connection was so apparent in that beautiful celebration. It was sad your mom and family and dad and people like that couldn't make it over here. So let's go back a little bit then the impact of the big C word, if, you know, we've all had many, you know, hearty conversations around our beliefs, our perceptions, our understandings of what we know and our curiosity around what we don't know. And one of the things that I would say about all of us as a network here on the coast is we are always open to new um, understandings, new learnings, new insights. One of the biggest turning points for you and Casey leading into and through this whole time has been the birth of your beautiful daughter. Beautiful Sage Grace came into the world on the 5th of May this year and for want of a a better understanding, everything was perfect. Everything in many ways, of course, still is perfect, but there was a pretty tough time that you guys went through. Would you be willing to share with us? What happened for you guys, and then how you transgressed through that time, and now how you feel on the other side?
0: <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Um, I love sharing Sage's story, and I'm going to try not to get emotional. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it was I talk about growth over the last ten years or so. But um, this year, that was catalyzed or accelerated by the arrival of Sage. so, as I alluded to earlier, we, um, we decided to start a family all went all all went um, as well as it could, pretty much as soon as we started trying. Um, Casey got pregnant, which is an incredible gift in itself on um, um, the that's not lost on me. I take care of <clears throat> chiropractic clients um, week in, week out who, who try for months and years. Um, so that all went well. And then at about full term, 38 weeks, um, Sage arrived in dramatic fashion um, to keep a, a long story short. She arrived very quickly at home one night, which was the plan to have her at home. We, we needed our midwife there, but she just didn't get there in time because at the beginning we didn't even know Casey was in labour. It was very atypical. There was something certainly had gone wrong. Um, yeah, let's use those words. And um, essentially within a few hours, Casey and I delivered Sage and she... You know we first figured out that we were we'd had a girl, which was beautiful, and we'd always had the name Sage, so you know within the first few seconds of holding her, we greeted her as Sage. Then we very quickly figured out that she wasn't breathing, and she was flaccid, she had no no tone um The next few hours looked something like ten or eleven minutes of giving her c p r ambulances, paramedics. Casey had a bleed. We were rushed to hospital in separate ambulances. Um, Sage was hooked up to more more drugs and and medicine than we we had planned on her ever having in her entire life. But um, that's parenthood, right? Is surrendering to your the the plans that you have for your your child. Um, we were told that she has some form of brain damage. They don't know how it happened. It was obviously in the last few hours or maybe days of the pregnancy. We needed to go from the Sunshine Coast Hospital within the next few hours down to Brisbane. Sage needed to be, quote, unquote, put on ice for the next three days. So she needed to be um, laying on cooling mats to bring her core body temperature down to about 32.5 degrees um, to slow the damage to her brain and prevent any further damage. And then they would take an MRI to see the extent of the damage. So that was a, a hell of a whirlwind of coming back to that concept of trust and trying to make sense of things when you are right at the coalface and exhausted and sleep deprived and carrying the emotions of everyone around you who loves you and cares about you. So that was a a real process of trust, just trusting that this was what was meant to happen for us and for Sage, but also leaning in on practicing exactly what we preach. So The power of chiropractic care, the power of love, touch, affirmation, sound, essential oils, aromatherapy, um, (laughs) divine intervention. We were so blessed to have an outpouring of support from our chiropractic community in those first few hours and days including that of um, Dr. Simon Floriani, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: who is just an incredible man. And he he was on the phone to me a lot. And one of the suggestions he had, because he'd worked in cases like this with babies in critical care, neonates, was t j get your hands if you can where like don't know where you'll be able to find it, but get your hands on some damask rose oil because um the essential uh oil of damask rose or how do you say it can you? that that
1: Damascena.
0: yeah um it's it's a s it's a potent central nervous system stimulant. So and it was her brainstem, her central nervous system that was um compromised. And sure enough, as soon as I got off the phone from Simon, I called you. And not only did you have some on you, but you were within 10 minutes of the hospital in Brisbane. And and for, for your listeners, we all live on the Sunshine Coast in an hour and 20 minutes from this hospital, but it just so happened that, that Kimmy had no idea Sage had been born. We're talking, I don't know, I can't remember it was day one or two, but less than 24 hours since she was born. And within 10 minutes, Kim was at the hospital and, and you know, quickly telling her what had happened and, and a hug and a Straight back up to, to put a drop of this oil on, say, on the back of her neck at the base of her skull. That's where her brain stem is. And just as Simon said, he said, look for any sign of central nervous system stimulation. And, and I said, well, you know, I'd lost all of my logical brain at this point. What do you mean, any sign of? <laughs> and this is like textbook um, anatomy and physiology. In, in basic sciences from chiropractic school but I'd just forgotten another one he said well anything a little bit of movement maybe a twitch in her face or she might kick her leg or wriggle her feet or um, you know t- take a bit of a twitchy breath just keep an eye out for it and, and the moment that that oil touched her neck her eyes fluttered and it was just the most beautiful thing and I was videoing it and yeah it's an incredible video
1: um
0: So that whole episode in hospital ended up being 16 days. It would have been much longer if we hadn't drawn a line in the sand and said thanks but no thanks to the amazing staff down there at the hospital. But (laughs) essentially we took this girl that they thought had pretty touch and go chances of having a normal life. You know there was talk of maybe a wheelchair, maybe respirators. Um, they they didn't know that it's really hard to make a prognosis in neonates in a in an injury like that, but we just kept pouring in in the way we knew how and and we were so heartened every day to watch these nurses come back on shift thirty six hours after their last shift and and they they are they are trained to not give any more hope than they should because there's, you know, um, politico-legal kind of or or medico-legal implications of that. But watching these nurses just be wowed by Sage's progress. Um, Anyway, we we got out of hospital after 16 days with this little girl who had just gone from strength to strength and – Apart from breastfeeding, by this point, she was already doing everything she was meant to, which was just incredible. And then started the amazing, arduous, tumultuous, exhausting journey of Sage and Casey connecting through breastfeeding. So my incredible wife who was just a tower of strength. Was doggedly determined. <laughs> the, the stubbornness in her to 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 do this for her daughter was, you know, pumping breast milk around the clock. Age never ever had any formula or anything. And and again, I, I know that that is a that is a blessing, and that that's not always the case for everybody but Casey was determined that the only thing that that little girl ever gets is her breast milk. So um, Casey had great supply. She was pumping. We were bottle feeding sage um, while we continued to rehabilitate her at home through daily chiropractic care, light therapy, again, affirmations, um, sound healing, the oils, um, once we left hospital, after about day seven or day eight, that was the last time she ever had any form of of medicine or, or Western pharmaceutical medicine. Anyway, she's not had anything since. Um, she she just continued to go from strength to strength. But Casey was on this this journey of yeah. of teaching Sage to breastfeed, and as a male, we just we our way of supporting or nurturing is to do, you know, we struggle to just be and observe. We want to do, we want to fix, we want to problem solve. It's like, you know, when a, when a female comes to us to tell us their problems and maybe all they want us to do is listen and we we want to fix, we want to offer a suggestion or a solution. And so that's so hard to sit back and there is literally nothing you can do but just be there for them. And um so that was a, a massive steep learning curve. And I I got things wrong every day. But um we forgive and move on. And I took to about week 13. Sage gave Casey um the incredible birthday gift because it was it was like a day or two after Casey's um thirtieth birthday one day she just got it she just started breastfeeding and she's never looked back. it's just incredible. so we've got this little eight month old now who um, you know perhaps in a different environment wouldn't w- w- not given the opportunity she had um, with us and our and our our team, our tribe she might be in a f- in a far different position right now, but she's She's an incredible little girl and she's strong and healthy and thriving and, um, yeah, dare I say, keep an eye out for her name in years to come. (laughs) It is
1: humbling to hear your story and especially being a small part of that journey and being... I would consider myself a great auntie. Um, I'm I'm claiming that title and I just cannot begin to tell you, our beautiful listener, what an extraordinary, amazing family, but beautiful little girl, the sage grace is. She warms my heart every time I see her. She makes me giggle and smile. But something I'd love to go back to, Cindy has always talked, from the minute I met her, some 15, 20 years ago, has always talked about the vitalistic approach of chiropractic care and the philosophy of chiropractic with the innate wisdom and intelligence of the human body and all of those things encompassing all holistic avenues. And then there's the mechanistic approach and perhaps the more pharmaceutical. With your viewpoint and understanding, having gone through university and learnt, obviously, very, um, I would say, a mechanistic sometimes approach with nutrition at some parts of that, and particularly around the way we are taught in universities, then to go into chiropractic and to have a whole beautiful approach to health and holism and all of those things, yet your world was completely fractured for a moment in time there where perhaps, and I don't want to put words into or suggest anything, without that mechanistic emergency care, we may not have this little girl here with us today, how would you say both philosophies sit in the world, particularly through your viewpoint and perspective now? Is there a place for both? And in your humble opinion, how do you both fully respect and appreciate both approaches to life and wellness?
0: Yeah, there's, there is absolutely a place for both. Um, and when there's an acute medical emergency, there is, in my opinion, no better place to be than in the care of Western emergency medicine, and um, I can say quite assuredly that we wouldn't have Sage with us here today without without that help. How much of that help? we needed in that first week or so, I'm still unsure, but I'm not going to lose sleep pondering it any longer because it doesn't serve, doesn't serve me to do that. But there was absolutely a need for that, that emergency care. <laughs> but, and again, just in my opinion, beyond an emergency, I would say there are far better places to be. And in, and in fact, statistically, it might be dangerous for you to stay under that model of care outside of an emergency.
1: Yes, I, I can totally hear that because one of the things that challenged us all through that was the love of community was so apparent. Not only was our Facebook group where you gave us daily updates, you gave us videos, it really was the power of community and intention and love I've never seen anything like, I've never felt so privileged to be a part of something so grand. But then I noticed also there were moments, and again, I don't want to judge or say it's right or wrong, where, you know, you weren't allowed to touch her or you weren't allowed to show your care. Do you think, is it right or wrong or is it just is what it is and you did what you felt you could do alongside of that as far as adjusting your little girl, as far as, giving her the touch, the music, having sound in that room when you were told you couldn't and all of those things. You guys navigated it with such grace and courage. What was your strength through those moments where you were told you could or you couldn't do things?
0: Again, the strength came back to leaning on incredible mentors and support and just just an overarching trust And going with the gut. So yeah, there is absolutely there's a case of just it is what it is. They have their their procedures, their protocols, their systems, which are statistically backed. They know that in X number of cases, when we do X, Y, Z, our outcome will be Z percentage and so that's what their systems are based on and you've you've just got to go with the flow there but you've also where where possible i mean we we're, we've lived our lives pushing the boundaries and breaking rules so um where possible we were we were bending the rules in our favor and always asking asking questions as well so we're Asking a lot of why why this, why that, why can't we touch her? Why can't we stimulate her? Why can't we so that we could understand their logic? And if I give an example, we weren't they didn't want us touching her or stimulating her because they said, you know, her brain is trying to rest. We don't want to stimulate her. And it's like, hmm, okay, well, that's interesting. You're pumping her full of glucose, you're pumping her full of. Um, IV antibiotics and and morphine and all of these things, I would say that they are stimulating her to some degree. So, it, like, what, who's to say what stimulation is right or wrong or allowed or not allowed? Um, so when we would ask questions why and we could begin to understand their... Um, rationale for doing what they were doing. We were then able to use our own logic and rationale with the help of support and mentors, people like Simon, people like Mark Postles, to say, you know, people like Sarah Farrant, who's over in, in New Zealand, who's been an incredible mentor for Casey, um, or both of us. Um, to, and we were able to then go, hmm. Like, is what we're going to sneakily or secretively do right now gonna benefit or detriment Sage? So we just navigated it that way with with, you know, using both sides of our brain, logic, but also feeling into it. And I love how you
1: say lean into it. I love how you say you, you went with it because so often in scary moments, you even said it yourself, our logic goes out the window. And it's needing those mentors, people with outside viewpoints to support you through those times. That little girl had care 24-7. She, not only from the hospital point of view, but also all of your love and not one of you as a family member really left her side just even to be with her. Here's a big question for you. How much does love truly play in the wellness, the, the health and the, the, the growth of a human? How much do you believe love plays a huge part?
0: I think it's completely
1: foundational.
0: You can't, you can't truly heal yourself without... Without a foundation of love, you like let's take it out of a healthcare setting. you know you you walk into a shop, let's say it's a you know a a small grocer or a corner store or something, and you get vibrantly greeted by the shop owner and it j- just the 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 feeling of that experience of being in that shop, whether it's just to buy a, a stick of butter or, or anything, is just so much different than walking in there to someone on their phone who doesn't even bother to look up and you know, the the energy in that situation and then the energy of the, the following exchange is just entirely different. So you put that in a in a healthcare setting where where healing is um the primary outcome and absolutely that's going to dictate how well things go
1: sage's name sage grace i was just going to look up the meaning of the word sage why did you choose it and do you believe that little girl chose you with that name even before she was born as to her name and how she's living into that as far as what she's teaching you guys.
0: Yeah, again, to get, to get pretty out there and to, to maybe tell a story that my former self <laughs> wouldn't even be able to comprehend. Mm-hmm. I think Sage chose us more three or four years before her conception Again, uh, Casey and I have always loved the name sage, and I think probably since our first conversation many years ago, of, oh, what girl names do you like? I think from the moment we said the word sage or the name sage, she had chosen us. Uh, and again, if you, look, if you look at the Vedic philosophy and, and how a soul chooses its um, parents to bring it into the world, um, it's pretty interesting stuff, but I I love the name Sage because because of its definition. I, I'm a lover of words and and finding finding meaning and breaking down words and, and studying. Um, I think it's called the, the etymology. Um, and so, it, you know, a sage is 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 all knowing, all wise, omnipotent, um, healing cleansing and isn't it just amazing that um, she came into our lives and that massive community of people that she touched through social media and everything that was going on around her um time in hospital and beyond isn't it amazing amazing how she's fulfilled her her namesake already
1: it's incredible and i truly believe In my humble opinion, she would not be the amazing little girl that she is and will always be destined to be had she not chosen you and Casey as her parents.
0: We're stubborn as hell. I was was about to say there's no way
1: she was going to let failure become a part of her world or her vocabulary. You said something really profound that having love is the foundation for all. Or, what is your definition then of self love?
0: I've, I've thought a lot about this over the last couple of days since you let me know that that was going to be the, one of the questions you would ask me. And I think self love, well, to go back a step, I, I, I think it's an interesting concept to categorize love into self or other. Love is just love, you know. Um, but I think my definition of, of love or self-love at the moment is largely around acceptance, especially as a male, um, being able to accept love, accept compliments, accept praise, accept thanks, accept challenge, accept love into your life um, from others, And then also being able to accept the responsibility and the accountability that comes with the work required to unpack that subconscious imprinting from the first three or five or seven years of your life like we talked about before. Because if we are going to elevate through those levels of, consciousness to have a higher human experience you've got to quote unquote do the work or have a willingness to to look inwards and look back and and unpack uh yourself and your worldview Um, so it's accepting that the responsibility of that as well as being able to accept um accept love from others and then i think through that we can begin to love ourselves which is just a journey home, really.
1: Yeah. And when you look at your little girl, any child, any parent that looks into the eyes of their child, there is nothing but the all-encompassing love, whether it's self or others. It is just, as you say, omnipresent, and it's, it's actually incredible when you look at a young child or a, an animal or nature or anything that doesn't have, I guess, the human word of judgment or ego maybe attached to it, as a young man in your 30s, now a teacher, a business owner, a father, a husband, and a a leader for many other people, still on his own journey. I appreciate and accept that. What do you believe then through the last two years and how would you guide your generation through what we have essentially been going through? Some would call it another war. What would you say would be the best way to navigate through these quote-unquote uncertain times?
0: It's It's a really big question and it's a difficult one to answer. It's one I've pondered and meditated on and thought about so much. And if I perhaps look in the mirror and look at what I've been doing, It starts at home and it starts with yourself. It's kind of like I think it was Mother Teresa or or some some amazing person said, you know, if you want to change the world, start with yourself or something along those lines or if you want to change the world, go go home and and love your family. Um, Yeah, it just starts with, you know, self-love, self-acceptance, Showing up in the best possible way that you can. Because, yeah, it's going to have to come from the ground up. It's kind of like you see that sign at cafes and it's like, it's just one straw said 7 billion people, you know, like the whole recycling and, and rubbish problem. If it, you know, it might seem minuscule and. Minute and like a waste of time for just, for just you, the individual, to make a little personal change, but that can ripple out if everybody's doing it. You know, if, if just 7 billion people started to make a little change, it would be a big shift.
1: If love is the, the all-present everything that encompasses all and creates the awareness and teachings of all the things we've spoken of many would say the opposite is fear, not hate, but fear. And when you look at all the sabotaging behaviours that we have and even you maybe from 10 years ago to who you are today, out of that place of fear, if that's the word we're going to call it, and seeing the way the world is operating right now, there seems to be, through my eyes, a hell of a lot of fear and a lot of judgement around those fears With your whole heart, maybe with the Vedic principles, a more spiritual concept of looking at the world right now and seeing people have family conflicts, have disagreements, friendships, relationships are really falling over and apart through these decisions of choice of what people think is right or wrong. How do we get through that from your humble viewpoint?
0: again really big question difficult question i think it's so important to take a step back if in doubt zoom out um not every and and this is a this is a big one i need to tell myself like not every challenge or argument or negative comment that you disagree with is an invitation to engage. If more people just stood back, took a breath, observed, listened, and perhaps didn't engage, um, things might look a little different. And so... Coming back to that concept of fear and, and how do we mitigate that or overcome it, I mean, there are lots of simple little tools that we can use. I mean, it can be as simple as put, putting down your phone or your technology for a while or making a rule that you don't look at it for the first hour of the day or um. You know, writing a list, starting the day with gratitude. This is something that Jordan talks about, right? Three things you're grateful for, or Joe Dispenza. You, you, you cannot live in fear when you come from a, an attitude of gratitude. So starting the day, just jotting down three things you are grateful for. And get detailed on it. Don't just write. I'm grateful for the sun, the beach, and my dog. Like, right, why? I'm grateful for my dog's goofy smile and waggy tail. Or I'm grateful for the calming energy of the beach. And just feel into that. It takes three minutes. Um, yeah, does that answer your yes.
1: question? I would love you to give us some more tools, though, while we're on this amazing journey so putting down the phone or technology writing a list in the morning of three things you're grateful for with detail what other things do you encompass to open your heart mind and soul into being a bigger version of yourself what other things rituals do you do
0: i know breath work for you mm. is very big breath work and meditation are huge because they help to clear the noise and and strip us right back to our essence and underneath it all you'll find that um that fear dissipates and, and goes away like i'm not saying i live life without fear and anxiety and and stress and worry absolutely but it's i think you know i've, I've got these tools that help me to navigate it breath work meditation and and that that you don't have to sit like a Buddhist monk for two hours. These, these can be things that can be done in under five minutes. Um, something, another tool that I think is, is quite cool is um, every day, if you remember, maybe set a reminder on your phone, scroll through your contacts or people who you've recently um, spoken to on Facebook Messenger or anything like that, and just pick one person every day or every few days to reach out to randomly and just tell them, compliment them, tell them something that you love about them or or just just connect with them for for no other reason than to share love. This is actually something that you do incredibly well, Kimmy. You, You often send messages after we've been at an event or a, family gathering or whatever and you just you express your love and gratitude for the time we spent and it's just such a beautiful thing it just it'll make you it makes you feel good as the giver or the sender of the message but it can entirely change someone's day and again if we're if we're giving more love and people are learning to accept that love yeah, you know, we go back to that definition of on my definition of self-love. I think that's pretty special. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. You also are really big on nutrition movement. But you do it you guys do it with not a have to do, but a, a desire to move or to eat well. Or it just seems to be part of your essence. What about the person that's listening to this that thinks eating healthy is a chore or having to go to the gym or move their body or maybe they're just feeling a little bit disconnected from the meaning of what it really is to value every one of those 50 trillion cells that make up your body? As a chiropractor, as a doctor, as someone who has a passion for nutrition, how do we inspire that sense of real, true awe and appreciation for this body?
0: It's it's a funny one because it could be a chicken or egg argument. Like once you start to feel good, I, I teach all of my patients or the people that come and see me that your default mode you are designed to be vibrantly healthy. Like if you aren't energetic, with clear eyes, clear skin, sleeping well, um, balanced mood, great digestion. If if you aren't any of those things, you've drifted from your default mode somehow, and all we've got to do is get you back to there, back to centre. But as soon as people get a sniff of that or or get a hint of what it's like to feel good, that's self-motivating and empowering. So it's important to just start small, choose achievable things, And do things that you're most likely to keep doing. Compliance is, I hate using that word right now, but compliance is a massive element because if if you are more likely to keep doing it, it will work. But if you hate running or you hate the inside of a gym, don't choose running or a gym as the vehicle to, to improve your well-being. Um, it's it's about finding something that just maybe a little bit excites you or, or brings you joy or fulfillment and choosing that as your vehicle to get started and then it'll snowball. But sometimes people need help. Sometimes people have drifted so far, or well, more than sometimes, <laughs> more often than not. In, in our society, people have drifted so far from their default mode of vibrantly healthy. That they do need some help getting back on track.
1: Do you think then one of the skills or qualities I see in you very big is is discipline? You are, I would say, gently disciplined if that's the right word. There is something about you in Casey, your family, your practice, the way you do things the way you approach life, there is an element of discipline. And do you believe that the human body, mind, heart, and soul needs discipline to succeed?
0: That discipline came probably from the sport of rowing where I was training twice a day, six days a week, you know, year after year after year. And so I've been to the unhealthy extreme of discipline and, and now found my way back to center where um, I have a healthy relationship with that, that discipline. Yeah, there's absolutely a need for, but especially in, a, in the world we live in now with all of the distraction, temptation, instant gratification, yeah, you need some discipline. But it can be a lot easier than people think to discipline yourself. Um, If I use an example of food, it can be as simple as just removing the bad stuff from your pantry. Like it's really bloody hard when the chocolates are sitting there looking at you, but when they're not there, you'll forget about them. So um, discipline is necessary, but I don't think it's as difficult as, as we associate it to be.
1: I also think there's a transition if you're swapping, like to go completely unhealthy to healthy is way too big a jump for a lot of people, and that's where you come back to what you're saying, needing assistance, having guidance, someone who knows better, and what you said at the very beginning, mentors, people that know more than you, really tapping into that. And I personally found on my journey, the more questions I ask, the more help I get. And I did hear a very beautiful soul say once, you know, if you walk into the room, a room and you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So I think that's something that I really love about being around you all and certainly feel proud to call you guys, you know, my my inner circle, my my family, my far now. I know I could talk to you forever and you know that we have lots of beautiful deep dive conversations, but as we come to a close, do you think um, from your perspective, you have the most amazing men and women around you. Is there anything you would like to say to your mentors, the people that have really guided you, maybe even from a young age, right through to now, or even right through to your wife and your daughter? Is there an overall message of gratitude or something that you would love to say to them that? we could hear through your beautiful
0: words? Oh, of course. Obviously, thank you is huge. Um, I'm not done with you yet. (laughs) I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep failing. I'm going to keep making mistakes. I'm going to keep being that frustrating thing in your life. But I promise to return I promise to offer a valuable return um and and though I know that those people in my life know that and and you know I know that I am that for some for for other people um and that that's just that circle of life really isn't it so of course I'm I'm immensely grateful and um Oh, the, the list is so long. I could, I, could, I could give you an incredible list of people to interview, Kimmy, because, um, yeah, the, the, the people have, who have helped make me who I am now and continue to help me grow and evolve are just, are just amazing. So I love you all and thank you all.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I would love that <laughs> list because I think people that grow together, definitely stay together. And I think there's many, many amazing people that have been through your journey that I'm not done with yet either. And I would love to know more about and share them with the beautiful listener on here. It's the new year, 2022. This will be launched just after we celebrate the new year. We're recording this just before the new year begins. Is there anything around this brand new year or any words of wisdom from the beautiful TJ that you could offer us to take into this
0: new year? Nothing I haven't already said, Kim. So just step back, breathe, observe, lean into challenges, but not without observing first, trust that, you know, you got this far and, um, things are going to be okay. But it would also be, you know, it's it's a time when a lot of people are making resolutions or, or, um, for some reason, we think that things are going to change because the date changes. But whatever you're choosing to do in the new year, be disciplined, but don't be hard on yourself. Um, if you slip up, you know, tomorrow's a new day, or, or, or better than that, this afternoon is a new afternoon, you know, it doesn't have to start again tomorrow. But it's, it's about not being too hard on yourself or not p- placing too big expectations to begin with just choosing things that are sustainable that you'll be, that you will remain compliant with or you're more likely to stick to. And, um, yeah, mo- moving forward with slowly with intention.
1: Mm, I love it. TJ. one of the most favourite questions that I get to ask each of my guests is, is one of their favourite quotes and it just gives us an insight as to where you're at right now, but also... I'm a real words person too, and love each quote. Would you be so kind as to share with us one of your favourites at the moment?
0: Okay, you, you gave me too much time on this one when you asked me the other day, so I've I've got a few. Good. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a few. Um, the first one is by T. S. Eliot: "Only those who will risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go." The next couple are quotes from just the most beautiful book by Charlie Mackesy, and um, it's called, oh, I forget what it's called. It's The the Fox, The Mole, The, the, the Boy, The Fox, The Mole, and The Horse, or sorry, I'm, I'm stuffing up that title. But um, the, I think it's The Fox asking, what do you want to be when you grow up? Kind, said the boy. And then the next one from the same book is, what is the bravest thing you've ever said, asked the boy. Help, said the horse. And then um, the first quote that came to mind when you asked me, one of my favourite quotes would be a Ram Dass quote, which is, we're all just walking each other home. Uh, TJ, it has been
1: an absolute delight. I couldn't imagine anyone better. And from the beginning, when we said, is it random, is it whimsical, there is no accident that you, my friend, are the opening podcast for 2022. We may only get 5,000 downloads a week, but those 5,000 people truly do love and admire and appreciate every word that every guest ever shares on the show. And you are all one in a trillion would there be any way that people, if they wanted to follow you more, if they wanted to perhaps get care with you through your clinic, or is there any programs that you've got coming up that you could share with us? Because I can honestly say there's a lot of men and women listening to this right now who would love to call on you to be one of their mentors.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you'll tag me on social media, on Instagram, just at tj.leeming. Um, Feel free to shoot me a message or I've already had lots of messages this year from from parents going through traumatic um, births and things like that because our story with Sage got out, so I'm always happy to, to talk. Um, you can find my chiropractic practice details there as well. Practice is up in Gympie, um, Queensland. And in terms of programs, it's funny you should ask. Um, I've, a, a little brainchild of mine from for the last couple of years has been building a program or a system of tools for people. Um, and in the past few months, I've been able to really put pen to paper and begin to put it together. And, and at the moment... Um, I'm still dialing in the details of exactly who this program is going to be for. Will it just be for health practitioners or chiropractors? Will it be for the masses? We'll wait and see, but I'm just today actually going to be launching on social media, what I would call a beta version of that program. So I am going to be looking for a small um, group, 10 or less people to Come on a six-week journey with me to help me workshop it. But uh, there's already a, a massive amount of value in there, tools around that breathwork, meditation. There's a nutritional component. There's some some self-care body work in there, and these are they are, they are all tools to help us come back to centre um, and and feel strong, feel balanced, feel content, no matter what's happening out there around us so I'm really excited to launch that and um, that might be of interest to to some of your listeners so thanks for the opportunity to share.
1: Absolute pleasure. TJ Leaning, thank you for being a beautiful part of my world personally, professionally, spiritually and soulfully and thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Self Love Podcast.
0: Thank you for the opportunity and um looking forward to another beautiful year together, Kimmy. Yeah,
1: That's sweet. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word twenty and the number eight dot com. Take good care.